Chapter One of the Canadians of Old. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bruce Peary. The Canadians of Old by Philippe Aubert de Gaspé. Translated by Sir Charles G. D. Roberts. Leaving College. Eu fugaces postume. Horace as my story lays no claim to classicism either in style or structure this opening chapter may as well be made to play the part of a preface my acquaintances will doubtless open their eyes on seeing me thus enter at the age of seventy-six on the perilous paths of authorship possibly i owe them an explanation although tired of reading all these years with so little profit either to myself or others i yet dreaded to pass the rubicon a matter small enough in itself in the end decided me one of my friends a man of parts whom i met last year in st louis street in our good city of quebec grasped me warmly by the hand and exclaimed awfully glad to see you do you know my dear fellow i have talked this morning with no fewer than eleven people not one of them with half an idea in his noddle and he wrung my arm almost out of joint really said i you are very complimentary for i perceive by the warmth of your greeting that i am the exception the man you oh yes indeed he cried without letting me finish my sentence those are the only sensible words i have heard this morning and he crossed the street to speak to someone probably his addlepate number twelve who was seeking to attract his attention the devil thought i to myself if what i just said is in any way brilliant it would seem easy enough to shine though i have never yet been suspected of it i must be rather a clever fellow much elated with this discovery and congratulating myself that i had more brains than the unhappy eleven of whom my friend had spoken i hurry to my library i furnish myself perhaps all too appropriately with a ream of the paper called foolscap and i set myself to work i write for my own amusement at the risk of wearying the reader who may have the patience to go through this volume but as nature has made me compassionate i will give this dear reader a little good advice he had better throw away the unlucky book without taking the trouble to criticize it which would be making it much too important and would be moreover but wasted labor for the serious critic for unlike that old archbishop of granada so touchy on the subject of his sermons of whom gil blas has told us i am for my part blessed with an easy humour and instead of retorting to my critic i wish you good luck and very much better taste i will frankly admit that my book has a thousand faults of most of which i have a lively consciousness as for the unfriendly critic his work will be all in vain debarred as he will be from the privilege of dragging me into a controversy let me say beforehand that i grieve to deprive him of his gentle diversion and to clip his claws so soon i am old and indolently content like figaro of merry memory moreover i have not enough self-conceit to engage in any defence of my literary productions to record some incidents of a well-loved past to chronicle some memories of a youth long flown 
this is my whole ambition many of the anecdotes doubtless will appear insignificant and childish to some readers let these lay the blame upon certain of our best men of letters who besought me to leave out nothing which could illustrate the manners and customs of the early canadians that which will appear insignificant and childish to the eyes of strangers they urged in the records of a septuagenarian born but twenty-eight years after the conquest of new france will yet not fail to interest true canadians this production of mine shall be neither very dull nor surpassingly brilliant an author should assuredly have too much self-respect to make his appeal exclusively to the commonplace and if i should make the work too fine it would be appreciated by none but the beaux esprits under a constitutional government a candidate must concern himself rather with the number than the quality of his votes this work will be canadian through and through it is hard for an old fellow of seventy to change his ancient coat for garb of modern pattern i must have also plenty of elbow-room as for rule and precept which by the way i am well enough acquainted with i cannot submit myself to them in a work like this let the purists the past masters in the art of literature shocked at my mistakes dub my book romance memoir annals miscellany hotchpotch it is all the same to me having accomplished my preface let me make a serious beginning with the following pretty bit of verse hitherto unpublished and doubtless now much surprised to find itself in such unworthy company quebec seventeen fifty seven an eagle city on her heights austere taker of tribute from the chainless flood she watches wave above her in the clear the whiteness of her banner purged with blood near her grim citadel the blinding sheen of her cathedral spire triumphant soars rocked by the angelus whose peal serene beats over beaupre and the levy shores tossed in his light craft on the dancing wave a stranger where he once victorious trod the passing iroquois fierce-eyed and grave frowns on the flag of france the cross of god let him who knows this quebec of ours betake himself in body or in spirit to the market of the upper town and consider the changes which the region has undergone since the year of grace seventeen fifty seven whereat my story opens there was then the same cathedral minus its modern tower which seems to implore the charitable either to raise it to its proper height or to decapitate its lofty and scornful sister the jesuits college at a later date transformed into a barrack looked much the same as it does to-day but what has become of the church which stood of old in the place of the present halls where is the grove of venerable trees behind the building which adorned the grounds now so bare of this edifice sacred to the education of canadian youth time and the axe alas have worked their will in place of the merry sports the mirthful sallies of the students the sober steps of the professors the high philosophic discourse 
we hear now the clatter of arms the coarse jest of the guard instead of the market of the present day some low-built butcher's stalls perhaps seven or eight in number occupied a little plot between the cathedral and the college between these stalls and the college prattled a brook which after descending st louis street and dividing fabrique traversed cuillard and the hospital garden on its way to the river st charles our fathers were bucolic in their tastes it is the end of april the brook is overflowing children are amusing themselves by detaching from its edges cakes of ice which shrinking as they go overleap all barriers and lose themselves at last in the mighty tide of the st lawrence a poet who finds sermons in stones books in the running brooks dreaming over the scene and marking the descent of the ice cakes their pausings their rebuffs might have compared them to those ambitious men who after a restless life come with little wealth or fame to the end of their career and are swallowed up in eternity the houses neighboring the market-place are for the most part of but one story unlike our modern structures which tower aloft as if dreading another deluge it is noon the angelus rings out from the cathedral belfry all the city chimes proclaim the greeting of the angel to the virgin who is the canadian's patron saint the loitering habitants whose calashes surround the stalls take off their caps and devoutly murmur the angelus all worshipping alike there is none to deride the pious custom some of our nineteenth-century christians seem ashamed to perform before others an act of worship which is proof to say the least of a shrinking or cowardly spirit the followers of mohammed who have the courage of their convictions wherever they may chance to be will seven times daily make their prayers to allah under the eyes of the more timid christians the students of the jesuits college noisy enough on ordinary occasions move to-day in a serious silence from the church wherein they have been praying what causes this unusual seriousness they are on the eve of separation from two beloved fellow-students the younger of the two who being more of their age was wont to share more often in their boyish sports was the protector of the feeble against the strong the impartial arbitrator in all their petty disagreements the great door of the college opens and two young men in travelling dress join the group of their fellow-students two leathern portmanteaus five feet long adorned with rings chains and padlocks which would seem strong enough for the mooring of a ship lie at their feet the younger of the two slight and delicate-looking is perhaps eighteen years old his dark complexion great black eyes alert and keen his abruptness of gesture proclaim his french blood his name is jules d'aberville his father is one of the seigneurs captain of a company in the colonial marine his companion who is older by two or three years is much taller and more robust of frame his fine blue eyes his chestnut hair his blond and ruddy complexion with a few scattered freckles on face and hands his slightly aggressive chin 
all these reveal a foreign origin this is archibald cameron of lochiel commonly known as archie of lochiel a young scotch highlander who has been studying at the jesuits college in quebec how is it that he a stranger finds himself in this remote french colony we will let the sequel show the young men are both notably good-looking they are clad alike with hooded overcoat scarlet leggings edged with green ribbon blue woolen knitted garters a broad belt of vivid colors embroidered with glass beads deer-hide moccasins tied in iroquois fashion the insteps embroidered with porcupine quills and finally caps of beaver skin fastened over the ears by means of a red silk handkerchief knotted under the chin the younger betrays a feverish eagerness and keeps glancing along buade street you are in a hurry to leave us jules said one of his friends reproachfully no replied d'haberville oh no indeed my dear de la ronde i assure you but since this parting must take place i wish it over it unnerves me and it is natural that i should be in a hurry to get back home again that is right said de la ronde and moreover since you are a canadian we hope to see you again before very long but with you the case is different my dear archie said another i fear this parting will be forever if you return to your own country promise us that you will come back cried all the students during this conversation jules darts off like an arrow to meet two men each with an oar on his right shoulder who are hastening along by the cathedral one of them wears the costume of the habitant capote of black homespun gray woolen cap gray leggings and garters belt of many colors and heavy cowhide larrikins tied in the manner of the iroquois the dress of the other is more like that of our young travelers although much less costly the first tall and rough-mannered is a ferryman of point levis the second shorter but of athletic build is a follower of captain d'haberville jules father in times of war a soldier in peace he occupies the place of a favored servant he is the captain's foster brother and of the same age he is the right hand of the family he has rocked jules in his arms singing him the gay catches of our up-river boatmen dear jose how are you how have you left them all at home cried jules flinging his arms about him oh well enough thank god replied jose they send you all kinds of love and are in a great way to see you but how you have grown in the last few months lord master jules but it is good to set eyes on you again in spite of the familiar affection lavished upon jose by the whole d'haberville family he never forgot to be scrupulously respectful jules overwhelms him with eager inquiries he asks about the servants about the neighbors and about the old dog whom when in his thirty-sixth lesson he had christened niger to display his proficiency in latin he has forgiven even the greedy cat who the year before had gobbled up a young pet nightingale which he had intended to take to college with him 
in the first heat of his wrath it is true he had hunted the assassin with a club under tables chairs and beds and finally on to the roof itself which the guilty animal had sought as an impregnable refuge now however he has forgiven the creature's misdeeds and makes tender inquiry after its health hello there grumbles the ferryman who takes very little interest in the above scenes when you have done slobbering and chattering about the cat and dog perhaps you'll make a move the tide won't wait for nobody in spite of the impatience and ill-humour of the ferryman it took long to say farewell their instructors embraced them affectionately you are to be soldiers both of you said the principal in daily peril of your life upon the battlefield you must keep god ever before you it may be the will of heaven that you fall be ready therefore at all times that you may go before the judgment seat with a clear conscience take this for your battle cry god the king and fatherland farewell exclaimed archie you who have opened your hearts to the stranger farewell kind friends who have striven to make the poor exile forget that he belonged to an alien race farewell perhaps forever this parting would be hard indeed for me said jules deeply moved had i not the hope that my regiment will soon be ordered to canada then turning to his instructors he said i have tried your patience sorely gentlemen but you know that my heart has always been better than my head i beg that you will forgive the one for the sake of the other as for you my fellow-students he continued with a lightness that was somewhat forced you must admit that if i have tormented you sadly with my nonsense during the last ten years i have at least succeeded in sometimes making you laugh seizing archie by the arm he hurried him off in order to conceal his emotion we may leave our travellers now to cross the st lawrence and rejoin them a little later at point levis chapter one